Les's League. Hello and welcome back to Big Lezzers League and this is a little bit different to how you usually see me, not usually on video but I'm finally getting my video sorted, getting uh, Big Lezzers League out there on all different platforms. We're starting off with YouTube, um, I'm doing the season previews again, you would have seen these last year with Lee Addison, I'm changing it up at this year, I'm going with the True Blue Sporting podcast, and now that's with Hayden, my mate Hayden. He coaches my brother in football. He's running his own podcast and just getting his podcast underway. I, f- I thought, why not do this with him? Uh, very, very smart football brain on him, uh, and it is an unreal chat. Goes for about an hour, so similar to the bloke ones. Uh, goes for about an hour and a really interesting chat. We go through the Panthers. We go through the Roosters. We go through the Tigers in this part. Make sure you sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les, and what a way to start the year. 2023, can you believe it? We're already in 2023, the first year of the Dolphins, a hectic year for NRL, a lot going on, particularly at the start of the year, the start of this year already, uh, before the season has even gotten underway, but a big year in store for us. What a way to start the year, right, by getting the True Blue Sporting Podcast on. We're going to be doing season previews going into each team. We're going to be talking about the gains, the losses, success. How are they going to find success this year and where they're going to be ranked on the ladder. But let me welcome my co-host here, as I should call him, uh, Hayden from the True Blue Sporting Podcast. How are you, big fella? I'm good, thanks, Liz. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Doing all right. I'm very excited. I'm keen. I'm ready to go. Coming in fresh. Had a little bit of a break in Jan, but I'm coming in fresh, ready to rip and tear, ready to get this year of rugby league underway, mate. Very, very excited. So let's get straight into it, mate. The Penrith Panthers. There's not much we really need to talk about about this side because they've been very successful over the past two years. Um, There's not too much changing. I think the biggest thing changing at that side Obviously, is Api Corusau leaving, a main guy out of the spine. Uh, they've also got some of the young guys leaving as well, Sean O'Sullivan, Isaiah Katoa. Uh, but let's go through the gains and then the losses. So first, we'll talk about the gains. From the West Tigers, they've got Luke Garner and Tyrone Peachy. I'm, so, I'm sure you'd be spewing about Luke Garner, obviously being a West Tigers supporter. Uh, Zach Hosking, they've got him from Brisbane and Jack Cogger. Uh, they got him from the Huddersfield Giants. He is a halfback. Um, Luke Garner coming into this side, do you think he's going to start straight away? Do you think he's going to be brought in off the bench? How do you see him being used in this side? Um, I think Luke's going to come in and replace Kikau. Um, ultimately, Kikau going opens that uh, spot up at left back row, and I think Garner's shown definitely last season um, that promise that he's had, and he looks... Like a, a very solid edge back row. Probably not the strike that, that Kikau has, but you know he'll complement Liam Martin extremely well on the other edge. So, um, yeah, I think he, he comes into that left back row spot. Obviously, they signed Hosking as well, who can who can fit their role. And I think both of them will be firing it out over the summer to, to see who gets that spot. Uh, but, yeah, Luke, Luke Garner's a very good signing for them. And, and if you look at their signings, Penrith, they're at that stage where they don't need to sign, go out and sign a big name. They're just about um, complementing what they already have, and um, you know they've they've done exactly that um, with their pickups over the summer. Yeah, totally. They've got some pretty decent signings here. Um, as I said, the only thing I'm really sort of worried about for Penrith is that hooking role. But other than that, they've recruited really well. We'll talk about the hooker role a bit later on. But yeah, Luke Garner coming into this side. It looks like he's going to replace Viliami Kikau. I have got wraps on Hosking. Luke Garner, he does also provide that versatility as well. If there is an injury in the centres throughout the season, he can slot in there. Uh, if there's an injury mid-game, he can definitely slot in there and then they can bring someone off the bench to play in the back row. So he does bring that as well. Uh, it's a very exciting si- signing. I'm really, really pumped about this one, Luke Garner. But I'm also pumped about Tyrone Peachy. I think he could be playing a bit of that Connor Watson at the Roosters sort of role, coming in as Mr. Fix-It. He can play pretty much anywhere from 1 to 13. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Because obviously he's come from the West Tigers as well. Um, 
he's looking fit too during the preseason. Some of the videos that I've seen of their training, uh, just things that I've seen outside looking in, he's looking ready to go. What are your thoughts on Tyron Peachy? How do you think he's going to be used going into this year? Um, yeah, Peachy sort of looked a little bit lost since he uh, left Penrith the first time. I think he's just never been able to find that stability that he had at Penrith. Um, obviously a Penrith junior and he's uh, most successful uh, parts of his career have been with Penrith. Um, Penrith is where he saw his origin debut and, and he got that jersey. So I think just for, for Peachy, the going back to where he um, he started it all, um, going back out of that um, sort of back to that chill environment, um, you know, and that he's going into a, a culture which is very successful at the moment. Uh, definitely could play that mix-a-fix-it role. Um, he's got... Uh, ability all over the park and can play in the forward pack or, or slotting on an edge. So, um, you know, it's a good pickup for, for Penrith. We haven't seen the best of Peachy uh, for the last couple of years, but uh, there's no reason as to why he can't return to that uh, back at Penrith. And look, if you, if, if you even go into that hooking rotation as well, it can sort of slot in uh, to that 14 jersey, depending on how Sonny Luke goes. I've got big wraps on Sonny Luke. Um, I assume he'll be 14 off the bench after Mitch Kenny. I'm assuming Mitch Kenny will start. They had him at 14 during the year, Mitch Kenny, so I assume he'll probably take the nine roll and then Sonny Luke coming off the bench. But if that, for some reason, doesn't work or Sonny Luke gets injured, Tyron Peachy can easily play that role. He slotted into nine for the Tigers before. So, look... Really excited about Tyrone Peachy. And as I said, he's looking much fitter than he did at the West Tigers, at the Gold Coast Titans even. He's looking fit. He's looking ready to go. He was really... Uh, there was a video that came out on the Panthers' social media. He was sort of talking about uh, the work ethic of the boys around him as well. And he was really impressed with how that it was all going. So, look, very excited about Tyrone Peachy. I think he's going to be a bit better than people think at the uh, at the Penrith Panthers, sorry. I think he's really going to impress some people, especially playing that role that Connor Watson does at the Sydney Roosters. If he can pull that off, uh, it'll be a very, very exciting signing. Uh, Zach Hosking, we sort of touched on him already, uh, but he's just an absolute goer, isn't he? He's played a few games for Brisbane uh, this season, more than I would have thought. I think it was about seven or eight games he played for Brisbane, uh, either coming off the bench or some games even starting. Uh, but an absolute goer was running about 120 metres per game. Yeah, really, really solid player. What are your thoughts on him? How do you think he'll be used? And will he start maybe coming off the bench this season or will it take him a while to maybe work his way uh, into this side? Yeah, I don't think he, he'll get the start straight away. Uh, but I, again, I think it's a very good signing uh, for Penrith. It complements their sort of um, model for their edge back roles, their ability to go and um, to stay in the contest for long periods of times, And that's exactly what he does. Um, I think it's a very good signing, um, and he's someone whose who's footy could go to an absolute another level in this system. Um, talk about you know players going to Melbourne and, and improving their footy. Well, well Penrith could um, be the place now. Um, I think that's the big test for them moving forward um, is bringing players in and, and continuing um, you know their uh, success they've had over the last couple of years. They've been very successful, um, and they're going to have to rely on the likes of. Um, Zach Hosking in terms of um, that's got to be their recruitment strategy now um, with, the, with the core of their side almost settled. Um, they've got to rely on bringing in players, developing them and, and getting them better. Um, and Hosking's definitely got that um, ability to, to improve his game, that's for sure. And look, you don't really see that many signings from Penrith Panthers, especially over the past few years. They've been really focused, especially when Gould was there, bringing those younger guys, developing the guys they already have. You look over at the losses column, Appy Coruscant, Charlie Staines, Isaiah Katoa, Robert Jennings, Sean O'Sullivan, Jermaine Hopgood, Viliami Kikiao, Christian Crichton, uh, and Kurt Falls. Uh, Christian Crichton we know was released. I think he may have gone back to the dogs. I'm not too sure, uh, but it says he's been released, and so has Kurt Falls. So that's two of the guys... <clears throat> sorry, that's two of the guys that they used to come into the halves, obviously, when Cleary and Lua were out during Origin. Uh, Kurt Falls, if it's true that he's left the club, I think he's one of the older guys as well in that system. And then Sean O'Sullivan obviously going to the Dolphins. Um, they're a little bit studded for depth, and I think that's where Jack Cogger comes into play. Uh, I think that's a really decent signing there. You're bringing back some of that depth that they've lost in the halves. Um, but I think that could be maybe a little issue, especially during the origin period. They've lost a few of the halves that they've sort of brought through to other clubs 
and particularly that's just because uh, their, their system is just so good. And over the past few years, they've developed that and had a really good system, obviously winning all of the comps in the lower grades as well as the higher grades. Uh, but yeah, Jack Cogger, I think, will be great to sort of uh, add to that depth. But I think it's somewhere they could struggle. Now, let's talk about, we'll touch on that in a sec. We'll talk about Api Corusau. Uh, and the impact that's going to have him leaving the side. What do you think, uh, how big of an impact do you think the loss of Apicorosau is going to be? And do you think it's going to take a while for this spine of Mitch Kenny uh, added into that nine roll, the spine um, of the Penrith Panthers to sort of gel going into this season? Do you think it's going to take a while or do you think it's going to be pretty pretty easy? Well, I think it's going to, it's going to be a big test and it's going to um, take a lot out of Nathan Cleary and Isaiah Yo to to sort of fill the hole that's left by Appy Coruscant. I think it's no secret that with the success at Penrith, it correlates with Coruscant signing at the club back in 2020. Um, he's just allowed Nathan Cleary to, dev- to develop to the footballer he is today, and I don't think he gets the credit for that. Um, externally, I, I'm pretty sure internally they would definitely understand and, and not underestimate the role that, that he's played in, in improving Nathan's game. He's just... For me, he's the best number nine in the game. He's so crafty out of dummy half, and he creates opportunities for the men around him. Even that that forward pack, he marshals them so well, gets them going forward, um, always engaging markers, whether it be one or two, and he's, he's dangerous when he gets out and runs. And um, Defensively as well, he, he does a lot of work. Um, he's probably not known for his defensive work. Um, pretty ineffective with his, with his um, tackles and, and misses a few, um, but he always seems to just get in the way and put his body on the line. And I think it's going to be a big loss, and it's going to be a test for definitely those two nines coming through in, in Kenny and uh, Luke. Uh, we saw Kennedy do the role uh, when, when Appy was there. He'd often start, uh, but now he's going to be the main number nine. And the, Sorry, that's how I would have them lining up with Kenny starting and, and Luke off the bench. But it's it's going to be a test for, for all players um, in, in that spine. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go, and... Um, personally for me, I think it's a, a big test for Penrith this year. Um, you know, they've been incredible for the last couple of seasons, but, but this is a real test for them. They've lost a lot of depth and, and they've lost a few key players to their premiership side. So, um, I'm interested to see how it goes, but, um, you know, you never write off champions. They'll always, um, come out and, and shock us. Well, look, you did snatch my next question. I was going to ask who you would rather start, Sonny Luke or Mitch Kenny, um, would you maybe consider starting Luke only because now I know he hasn't been in the side that much uh, and it will take maybe a little bit longer for him to gel with the spine, but I just feel like it's going to be very similar to the style of play that they would have had last year with Abby Corris. How you get the small crafty sort of faster number nine to start the game. And then you bring on the mongrel, the defensive unit in Mitch Kenny um, to sort of maybe the back end of games or, you know, after 30 minutes, how they would usually do it at Penrith. Would you maybe maybe a bit later on in the year when Kenny's got a few first-grade games into him consider starting Luke and then moving Kenny to the bench? Or would you just keep it as Kenny starting at nine and having that crafty hooker coming off the bench? Well, I think if you saw with um, Penrith previous, previous seasons um, and in big games, they haven't been afraid to start Mitch Kenny. So they've got trust in, in Mitch Kenny's game and, and what he does. Um, they start him in big games uh, to take the sting out of it early and in the middle, and then that's when Coruscant comes on and be so effective. So I think it can be a similar role with Luke. He, as you said, he's, he's very similar in terms of his um, craft and, and how he plays the dummy half position. Uh, but I think with, with Mitch Kenny, he takes the sting out of games. He's defensively um, solid, um, and he's that perfect nine to start the game. And then with Luke, as you said, coming on it um, sort of 30 minutes and a half, um, into the half with 10 to go, uh, those forwards will be very, very tired. Um, and, you know, that's when, when those type of dummy halves are, are most dangerous. Yeah, totally. I agree. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the side does go without Api Corusau. You mentioned he was one of the better uh, hookers in the game at the moment. It's going to be very interesting to see maybe the first three to four rounds without him when the side uh, and the spine is sort of starting to gel with Mitch Kenny as the main number nine. But yeah, look, I would start Kenny too, only because not only does he take the sting out of the first sort of 30 minutes of a game, but 
you know, they've played with him for a while now. He started some games at the back end of the season. They were sort of preparing him for this role. I think that's just where they're going to lean to. Sonny Luke coming off the bench. He does have the craft at the back end of halves, which is sort of what I like as well. So, look, very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what sort of lane they go, maybe 10, 12 rounds in, uh, if they do have Sonny Luke starting or if Mitch Kenny's their guy now and they keep him at number nine. Um, and then, obviously, as I said, they've got Tyron Peachy there who can also play that role if this some reason, uh, for some reason doesn't work out. Um, we'll talk about Viliami Kikia because that's another big loss in this side. And we talked about the role that Luke Garner and Zach Hosting uh, will come into this side and sort of replace Viliami Kikia. But still, it is a big hole to fill, a massive hole to fill. What impact do you see this um, this loss of Viliami Kikia having on this Penrith side? Do you think it's going to be a substantial loss here? Do you think it's going to be a bit of a concern? Um, the size loss, the power loss, um, and, and how you, do you see, um, you know, Luke Garner and Zach Hosking, we sort of already touched on it, but how do you see them filling that mould of the loss of Viliami Kikau? Um Look, I think they're not going to have the strike that they have with Kikau, and I think um, Kikau, when he's, when he's on song, he's one of the the most damaging back rowers, if not the most damaging back row in the competition. Um, but I don't think it will impact them as much as people think. Um, there's no doubt in Kikau's um, ability and, and how good he is, uh, but he's a very strike back rower, whereas the two who are going to come in and replace him most likely, um, they, their best and worst games are very far from each other, um, whereas Kikau could float in and out of games. and I, um, I think it will be good for Penrith to have that consistency on that edge, um, it may impact Luai's game a little bit. He's going to have to change his game um, instead of... It um, may have to do a little bit more ball playing instead of just giving kick out the ball and let him go to work and have to create the opportunities for his for his outside back rower. Um, and that's something which, again, uh, for Penrith, uh, these these teams who are at the top, they need to con- continually adapt and continually get better and, and change their game style. Otherwise, teams will just um, easily pick them off and, and do enough film. So... Um, I, I like how that this year that left edge it's going to look a little bit different for Penrith and their game style is not going to be the same but that's what's um, exciting me about them moving forward yeah no totally I'm very excited to see how they adjust with losing both Api Korosiao and Viliami Kikau going into next year I mean you couldn't have picked two um, bigger impact guys in this side to lose going into next season but I feel like um, as you said it's not going to be as big of a hole as people think it's not going to be as hard to adjust as people think because they've got pretty decent replacements coming into this side and already in this side who they've developed in Mitch Kenny, Sonny Luke, Luke Garner, Zach Hosking, these guys who are still young, who have still got plenty, um, you know, plenty of strike in them and plenty of uh, gas left in the tank. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see how these guys fill the holes left by some of the losses in this side. Uh, We'll touch on Jermaine Hopgood as well because he was the captain uh, in the younger grades and I think it's quite hard when you lose um, a leader, a future leader especially, coming through the grades in Jermaine Hopgood. He was the captain of the side. I think it was, no, it wasn't SG Ball. It was um, Jersey Flag and they won the grand final um, for that side. They won all of their grand finals, which is just absolutely insane. It's the first side to do that in history. Um, but Jermaine Hopgood was a key part of that side, a captain in that side. Talk to me about losing, you know, captains in the lower grades because I think it will have an impact on their juniors. They've lost a lot of the juniors, particularly in the halves, which is going to be very hard to sort of fill. Uh, but then again, you've got young guys in other teams that would be very interested in coming over to this Penrith system. Um, so look, talk to me about the impact of losing a guy like Jermaine Hopgood, a captain in the lower grades, a future captain that could have come into this Penrith side? Um, look, I don't think it'll be as big as a loss. Um, so as you think, it, it this Penrith side has leaders riddled throughout and leaders for a very long time. You know, Nathan Clear is only um, you know, early 20s and, and he's the captain of the club. So he's going to be there for a very long time. Same with Isaiah Yo. They're all going to be there for long periods of time. And um, although it's... Um, Losing depth isn't always a good thing. Uh, you want to have a, a deep squad. You can see how quickly injuries can happen, and um, you want that depth there. Um, but but that again, that's what Penrith uh, face now. The challenges that they have is being so successful in all grades, as you said. Um, you know, people are going to be looking at at players who can't get a crack in their first grade side, and you know, Hopgood, as you said, 
he won a premiership with um, the the reserve grade side, I do believe. So um, people are going to be looking at these sides and and want um, you know those players who can't crack it. And you know I think it's a good pickup from Parramatta, and um, hopefully he gets the the playing time that he's moved for. And uh, but yeah, it's there's leaders everywhere, so I don't think the the loss of leadership will will impact them. But you know you still want that depth there. Yeah, totally. And I think depth is going to be something that they're going to have to really focus on going into next year, particularly the guys that run the development in this side, getting some young guys, especially halves, into this team. Um, We'll quickly touch on Nathan Cleary because I think they definitely, we talked about losing a lot of halves in the lower grades. They've got to keep him in this side. And particularly when they get to that origin period, they've got Jack Cogger there. We don't know really uh, who's going to be playing 5-8 in this team. There's a few younger guys that I've heard of, but um, they really do need to keep Cleary in this side, make sure he doesn't get injured. Uh, I think that's going to have to be the main priority uh, for Penrith. If there's any major concerns, it is keeping Nathan Cleary in this side. We've seen a few stars go down with injury. Ryan Pappenhaus and Tom Trevojevic, uh, pretty hectic injuries as well. Um, I think the main part, uh, the main focus for Penrith is keeping Nathan Cleary in this side. If they are to go on, maybe get a three-peat. Um, but where do you see them sitting on the ladder? I've got them first to third. I think it they may drop a little bit, but I think that they'll still be the minor premiers at the end of the year. Um, so first to third for me, where do you sort of see them sitting on the ladder and why? Um, yeah, they're definitely going to be in the top four. Um, you know, they're just so, uh, they're reliable now, the Panthers. You, you think of uh, Melbourne for so many years, you could just put him in the top four and it was a lock every year and you were just figuring out the next three teams to put in there. And I think that's where Penrith have got to. Um, you know, they're so reliable. You know what you're going to get from their key players. And, um, yeah, I definitely think they'll finish in the top four. They may have a little dip at the start of the year, take them a little bit of time to get used to new combos, new structures. But, you know, they're a great team with great players. Too many big names to not finish in the top four for mine. Yeah, totally. I agree. So first to third, maybe like just in the top four, I think that bracket is pretty fair enough. We're talking about a side that's won the last two premierships so and probably could go on to a three-peat. Um, we don't want to be too boring on this podcast, but I think that's just the way that it's going to go. Um, so first to third, right. top four is sort of the way that this thing is going to shape out. Uh, I think we can both agree on that. We'll go on to the Sydney Roosters now um, and some of the gains and losses. Um, it's oh, They've got some pretty decent guys coming into this side. You look at yeah, Brandon Smith, Jackson Paulo, uh, Jake Turpin and Corey Allen. We'll touch on Brandon Smith first. Uh, the, do you think he's going to be a full-time hooker? Do you think he's going to be this guy that's going to play 80 minutes or be developed into playing 80 minutes in the hooking role? Do you think you could maybe move into the lock forward role during games and you bring on Jake Turpin off the bench or something like that? How do you sort of see um, the rotation of Brandon Smith working out in this team? Yeah, look, personally, I'm a little bit worried about um, the move of Brandon Smith. There's no doubting um, when he does play, he's one of the best nines in the competition. I just doubt whether he he fits into that rooster system Um yeah, he just fits into that rooster system in terms of the, the way they play their game. If you look at the, the two nines when they won the, the comps back in um, 18 and 19, Jake Friend and, and Sammy Verrills, um, they were nines who provided good service and made their tackles. Um, whereas Brandon, he likes to get out and play. He likes to um, take the game on and he's very um, proactive at a, at a nine and he, and he always looks to take the ball. Um, so I doubt whether uh, it'll be... Um, it'll fit into their game style. And it's going to be a, a test for Robinson and um, the, the spine players at, at the Roosters to change that and to create a game plan which fits all players in it. Um, if there's any coach that can do it in the competition, it's definitely Trent Robinson. Uh, but I, I think there'll be a teething process there with Brandon Smith for sure. He hasn't played nine for a whole year um, and he's he's got a full pre- he's getting a pre-season under his belt there. Uh, but it's going to take a little while for, for him to to get that nine position down and, and to be able to play 80 minutes there. Um, but that's what I think. I think it's going to be uh, a little bit of a teething process there for, for the Roosters. And I think to, the fans of the Roosters have to be patient early because um, they're not look, looking to win games in rounds one, round two, one, three. They're looking to win uh, qualifying finals, prelims and grand finals. So um, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time, but um, 
there's no doubt if anyone can make it work, it's the Roosters. Well, I said pretty much the same thing to mates the other day. I was saying it's going to take a while for Brandon Smith to sort of develop into that full-time 80-minute hooker if that's the way they're going to go. Um, and I just got laughed at. Like, this is... I'm talking to mates who are full-on Roosters supporters. They're like, nah, we're going to win every game. Uh, they were sort of doubting me a little bit. They were sort of up themselves, a bit cocky about it. But, yeah, it is going to take time for Brandon Smith to get into that full 80-minute hooker role. I don't think it's going to happen. Personally, I think the reason they signed Jake Turpin was because they had the same sort of concerns. I think he is going to play that 14 role. I think they were planning to have Connor Watson as just Mr. Fix-It off the bench as well as Jake Turpin. Um, But obviously, Watson's out now um, with that patella. I think it's a patella injury, um, which is pretty full-on. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this rotation works. Could you maybe see Brandon Smith playing a 14 role if it doesn't work with him starting in the nine? Or do you think that it's going to be Brandon Smith at nine and then they go from there? Um, yeah, what, how do you see the rotation working? If Brandon Smith doesn't work, like not straight away, but after maybe eight or ten rounds or maybe just before Origin, if he doesn't work during that period in the full-time nine role... Do you see him maybe coming off the bench, playing a lock, then into hooker sort of role, like similar to what he did um, at the Melbourne Storm? Um, personally, I don't. I think um, they signed him there to be their main man at nine, and, and he went there to be the main man at nine. So they're going to make it work. Uh, whether it takes eight rounds or 20 rounds, they'll, they'll just stick to it. Um, you know, they, they trust. It, it's very similar um, to Penrith, their system is probably even better than Penrith. And um, they they trust themselves internally and um, they're going to make this work, whether it takes, as I, as you said, to round eight or, or to round 20. Um, they're going to stick to this. Um, they, they went out on a limb. They they signed him and said, we want you to be our nine. Um, they let Sam Verrills walk, which I thought was a, a, a silly decision. Um, but the Roosters don't make many silly decisions without trusting themselves and, and backing their... Um, ability to to make this work and and that's what they're going to do they're going to find a way and it's going to annoy everyone because the Roosters will be back up there again yeah no totally I agree and yeah no matter how long it takes I think as you said the Roosters will make it work with this one Brandon Smith at nine very exciting to see how he goes there Uh, but as you said it will take time I think it will take a few rounds before he sort of transitions into that full-time hooker sort of role now, I've heard a little whisper. I've heard a little whisper from a Roosters page that Jackson Paulo has been training on the wing. They've moved Swali'i into the centres. Um, Jackson Paulo starting on the wing for the Roosters. What are your thoughts on this one? I, th- I feel like on his day, he's a very similar player to a Swali'i. I don't know if he's as good as Suali, um, but he's a very, very sort of dynamic winger um, in this competition and in a Roosters system, it's pretty exciting to see how Jackson Paulo will go. So what are your thoughts on Jackson Paulo, the signing, and yeah, um, starting on the wing, do you think it's the right call here by the Roosters? Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, yeah, he's got height. Um, he's got a few few errors in him, and as a South fan, you would know that, Les, but um, there, there's no doubt that um, he, he's got something Otherwise, the Roosters wouldn't have, have picked him up and, and move Swally into a into a centre spot. I know that's where he's going to transition to when he's finished, but um, to do it now uh, with Paulo coming in, they've obviously got faith, and he's obviously training the house down because he's moved one of the informed wingers in the competition out of out of that spot and allowed um, the Roosters to, to transition um, Joseph into the next phase of his career uh, before he naturally um, progresses to fullback. Um, so I think it's a good move for for all um, for all parties involved in in that in relation to um, Joseph and and Jackson. They're they're both in the side and they'll both be able to perform. Yeah, no, totally. It's going to be very interesting between Jackson Paulo and Corey Allen as well. Do you think he's going to be a guy that maybe competes for that jersey on the wing, um, Corey Allen? Because you know, we saw glimpses of him a little bit at the Bulldogs. We didn't, he didn't play much football there, but especially at South Sydney, he is an incredible player, Corey Allen. 
Do you think he could maybe have a chance of working his way into this side? Do you see the spine, not the spine, the back line for the Roosters changing a little bit during the year? Because we know, obviously, last year it changed quite a bit. Paul Momorowski coming into the side, he's still in the system as well. Um, so they've got a lot of guys in the back line. They've signed a lot of outside backs, which is maybe a little bit scary. Um, do you think Corey Allen's going to compete for that winger jersey? And do you see this, the, the back line changing a lot during the year? Or do you think maybe they might set in stone, Jackson Paulo, this is your jersey until origin at least. Um, show me what you've got here and maybe develop Jackson Paulo into a really sensational winger. Um, we've always got injuries. Um, so it's always good to have that depth, and that's why Alan would be there. He'd be um, definitely fighting out the jersey um, in the summer. But um, even if he doesn't win the jersey straight away, there's still injuries. There's still opportunities throughout a season. It's a long season. It's a longer season this year than it has been um, ever with the introduction of the Dolphins. So the, the test of squads and the test of depth is what's going to separate those who, who rise um, to the top of the ladder and those who linger down the bottom. Um, so there's no reason as to why that, that won't change. And hopefully, if, um, for all sides' sake, they um, they stay injury-free. But injuries are natural. You saw what happened to the Roosters in 2020. They were obliterated and they were relying on, you know, the 30th man in their squad. Um, so, yeah, the back line, although that round one back line looks extremely damaging, um you don't wish them on any, anyone, but injuries do happen. They are a part of our game, and um, there's no reason as to why um, Alan won't find him, himself in the in the side, but I wouldn't have him starting round one. Well, there you go. Jackson Paulo starting on the wing for the Roosters. Very interesting, but very exciting as well. A very exciting player when he's on. When he's on, he's on, and I'm very excited to see how he does go in this Roosters side. Now, Suali'i to the centres. What are your thoughts on this one? Because we watched him, obviously, in the World Cup, and he is a sensational fullback, but he's obviously stuck on the wing because of Tedesco. And then you look at Joseph Manu as well, a phenomenal fullback in the World Cup. He was just absolutely insane, but he's stuck in the centres because, obviously, Tedesco is there at fullback. Now, a bit of a nail-biter for you as well before you talk about Suali'i. When Tedesco does retire in the next however many years do you see Suali'i taking the one jersey or do you see Manu taking the one jersey and why um geez that's a tough question uh, I think I think it'll be Manu um because you know they've they've played him there before he's probably the backup one if Teddy does go down you think they would move Manu there um I think um Suali'i has a lot of improvement um, at one still to go, and you know he's still only nineteen, so he, he's going to be um, extremely dangerous. And and the thing is with with Joseph, we don't know whether he's going to be in the game. There's a there's a strong chance he could be playing um, rugby union. Um, so I think for the Roosters having that clear cut plan that Manu's going to be fullback, I think he's the the next in line um, because the unknown that's there with um, Swally and where where his future lies. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, he stays in rugby league, but um, I'd have Manu uh, be that next in line for, for mine. Well, that's the thing as well. You've obviously got, you'd, you'd probably have Luke Keary and James Tedesco retiring about the same time. Maybe that's the plan where you move Manu into the six and maybe then have Suali'i in the one. But then again, like the side even right now, it is super dynamic. And what I mean by that is everyone um, is just such a... I'm trying to think of the word, um, but they're very they're all very exciting. Um, yeah, um, very off the cuff side. There's not really that guy in there like your Cooper Cronk, who they obviously had a few years back, um, who sort of steered the ship. And I think that's my concern as well, not having that guy to steer the ship in there. Do you think James Tedesco moulds into that guy that steers the ship this season? Do you think that he's sort of changing his game up? He's obviously already a leader in this side, but do you think he moulds his game into the sort of game-managing player um, in this side? Do you think he sort of is the game-managing half at fullback? Uh, no, I think you've got to leave Teddy to be that bouncing, um, damaging ball runner that he is. Um, for my, He's the best player in the competition, so I don't think he needs to change his game. Um, and he can carry this 
um, Rooster's side a very, very long way. Um, he's good enough on his own to take this side um, to a to a premiership, and he's got help around him. Um, you know, Sammy Walker, um, there's no reason as to why he can't turn into that, that game manager. Um, and that's his test as a half, um, to, to produce, um, that composed, um, that cool head when the, when the moments arise in big games, that's his test as a seven. And there's no reason as to why he can't, um, model his game into that, um, He's obviously an, an off-the-cuff footballer, um, but then you, you need your, your seven to be cool in those moments. And you don't have to have a game-managing seven, but you need to have someone who's who's cool, um, composed, when they need to be. Um, and in, in big games with not long to go, um, that's where Sam Walker's um, development as a half um, is next for mine. Um, and there's no reason as to why he can't do that. He's been fantastic all throughout his career very early on, and he's continued to develop and take in those strides. Um, so that's the next one for him. Well, we sort of, yeah, I'm really excited for Sam Walker. I think he definitely needs to add a few kilos onto him as well. I've heard that he's added about five kilos already onto him during the preseason, which is very, very exciting. I'm, a, I'm super excited about that. I think he's sitting around the 90 kilo sort of mark, maybe just under it. So, look, very excited to see how Sam Walker goes in the halfback jersey. Can he turn himself around into that game-managing half? We'll have to wait and see. Let's have a look at the losses table because, I, I, by my own fault, we skipped over it a little bit. But they're losing Freddie Lussick, Ronald Volkman, obviously the Warriors during 2022. They've lost Saluka Fafida, Daniel Saluka Fafida, to South Sydney during the season. Lachlan Lamb went to the Super League during the season as well. Then going into 2023... We've got Takiyaho and Adam Kieran leaving, going to the Catalans Dragons. The Guam are going back to the Super League as well with Huddersfield. And then obviously we talked about Sam Verrills leaving as well to the Gold Coast Titans. That is a lot of that is a lot of losses. Particularly we talked about it with Penrith in the lower grades as well. Your Freddie Lussicks, your Ronald Volkmans, your Lachlan Lambs. I I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but depth wise, are they gonna be okay here? I know they've got a few a few guys that can cover, or a few guys coming through still in this Rooster system that are quite good, but that is a lot of losses, particularly in the lower grades. Um, my question to you is, are they going to have to go on a little bit of a recruitment drive? I suggest they already have, but a little bit of a recruitment drive in the lower grades and get some of those guys back, not get the guys that they've lost back, but get some depth in those key positions, particularly in the spine, because if they are to go on that injury run again, let's not wish it on them, touch, touch wood, but if they do go down that injury road, road again, um, it's going to be very hard for them if they don't have the depth in key areas. Do you think that that's something that they need to focus on, getting some of those younger guys back into this squad? Yeah, I think they're always looking, um, you know, every club's looking to recruit in the younger grades and there's um, the Roosters seem to do it better than most clubs. Um, so they definitely have a plan with letting these guys go and having um, players in place um, to come through. Um, although there are their losses, I, I think only a few of them are key. Uh, the Takiyaho one doesn't make sense for mine, um, as well as Verrills. Um, you know, I think Verrills is going to go on and, and kick on to be a very good number nine at, at the Gold Coast Titans. Um, and Takiyaho is as damaging as it gets. So um, although they've lost. Um, depth and around their squad it's not depth where you go oh you wish you kind of wish you had them I think they were getting rid of players who weren't in their plans and and looking to bring in people who can um supplement that you look they get rid of Naguama but they bring in Paulo um and Allen um so they seem to have already they um Turpin comes in as well for for Verils. so they seem to have you know got rid of who who they don't want and, and to bring people in so um they seem to well the Roosters will know what they're doing and um, I'm not going to doubt them because of how good of a franchise they are, that's for sure. Yeah, well, totally. They've got a very good franchise and um, some key players coming to the side, but also leaving the side. Um, very stacked in the back line. We talked about that already. Um, with the side they've got now, where do you see them sitting on the ladder? I've said second to fifth. I don't think they'll get first. 
I think that's Penrith. I think we all know that that's Penrith that are probably going to get the minor premiers this year. I don't see anyone really going above that. Sure, I can see Penrith maybe dropping in the finals, but I think they do get that first sort of spot. Uh, but second to fifth, is that sort of similar to where you have them, sort of that in from second to fifth? Or are you very confident that they're going to be a top four team? Um, well, there's strong coach, strong captain, strong franchise. Um, that's almost a lock for the top four. Um, I think they'll finish third this year. Um, completely reliable. Um, even though I do have um, doubts with how they're, they're going to um, work their game style with Brandon and whatnot, um, they're still going to be in the top four for mine. They're, they're, as I said, strong club, strong coach, captain, franchise, top four. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I'm very excited to see how the Roosters do go going into this year. The final team we're going to touch on today for the first part of this one is the West Tigers. Now, they've got a few gains and they've got a shit ton of losses as well. A lot of losses. Um, some of the gains they've got this year, Isaiah Papali'i being the main one. We talked about Abby Corusau, but we'll talk about the impact he's going to have on this side. I know you're excited about that one. I can see you're trying to hide a little smile there, but um, they've got a few a few guys coming into this team. Isaiah Papali'i, Abby Corusau, Charlie Staines, John Bateman, uh, which is really exciting. We'll talk about that in a sec. Tristan Riley came from Rugby Union. Will Smith, obviously. Titans, then he went to the Super League. Now he's back in the NRL. Uh, David Clemmer from Newcastle. And then David Nofaluma coming back from that loan deal to the Melbourne Storm. Out of those, we can pick a few key signings there. The first one we'll talk about is Isaiah Papali'i. Um, look, he's going to be very damaging for that edge, and particularly depending on what side uh, that he is on. It's going to really help out Luke Brooks, particularly in defense. Both John Bateman and Isaiah Papali'i, I feel like that's a very big thing that they're going to help out with, the defense on the edges. Uh, but talk about Isaiah Papali'i. This is your club. This is the team you go for. Um, what impact do you think Isaiah Papali'i will have on this Tigers outfit? Um, I think uh, Papali'i has been the most informed back row in the competition over the last two years. and um, He's sort of come from nowhere. Um, but he's got that, that game style which just suits an edge back roll so well. He hits a line and he, and he defends extremely well. And as you said, he's going to really help uh, Brooks on that edge. I think he will go into Brooks's edge um, to, to work um, that def- defensive um, structure. But then also um, in attack, it'll, it'll take a lot of pressure off Luke Brooks having someone who can hit a line like he can, uh, get to a spot on the field and, and just rely that he's got to put the ball near him and he's going to create something for him. Um, He's just damaging. Um, and although there were talks that he that he wasn't happy with coming to the Tigers, he was um, he wanted to retract um, and stay at Parramatta. Um, you you can tell now that he's there and he sees what's going on at the club. He seems to be um, to ha- to be happy um, with his decision, and um, I think he's going to be a really good signing for us. You touched on John Bateman as well um, on that other edge. Two very different back rows, but arguably it's the best back row. Um, combination in the competition um I, i'd ask you to to find me a better one um they're they're both so damaging but offer different styles um and it could be um that point of difference in the attack um that the tigers really haven't had for the last couple of seasons yeah totally i agree it's going to be very damaging for those edges it's going to help the centers as well making those edges much more damaging now i've heard a bit of talk before we touch on happy chorus now i've heard a bit of talk that Bateman could maybe slot into that 13. He's played there in the Super League, and he played there when he just got to Canberra before he did slot on that edge. Do you see him playing 13? The way I see it, I would love Bateman on that edge, and I'd have Offerhand Gowie in 13 where he does go so well. But do you see Bateman maybe starting off in the 13 jersey, or are you very confident that he's going to be on the edge? Uh, What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you, Les. I think um, Bateman on on the edge and... Um, Joe at 13 is the best way to line up um, for the Tigers. You'd, you'd rather Bateman jumping around on the edge than in the middle. Um, and I don't think the Tigers suit a ball playing 13. Um, although you need, you, you may need one to, to go far in the competition, if you have someone who can act as a third front rower um, and just cart that ball forward, which Joe does, he was fantastic for us last year. Doesn't get the credit he deserved uh, for how good of a season that he had. Um, in, in a side which did struggle a lot. Um, 
with Bateman on that edge, he can bounce around, he can be damaging, he can offload the ball. Um, whereas in the middle, it may um, retract from the go forward they're trying to get. But um, I, I can see why they're looking to get him in the middle because he does have that, that ball-playing ability. Uh, but for mine, it's got to be Joe starting at 13. Um, trust, in, trust in him and uh, for him to have another good season um, and, and put Bateman in his, in his best position. Yeah, totally. And he was so good at lock forward, Joe Hangawi, when he did uh, play there for the West Tigers. We'll talk about Appy Coruscant. We, I think we've talked up him enough. But what impact do you think he's going to have on Luke Brooks and Adam Dewey? Because you assume that's going to be the halves pairing going into next year. I think he's going to have a very, very positive impact on Luke Brooks just in terms of the structure of that team and taking a bit of pressure off him as well. They lost Hastings during the year, which was massive. Um, but I think Api Korosau, again, he takes the pressure off Luke Brooks a bit. How do you think uh, that's going to work? Do you, do you sort of agree with me there? How do you, uh, what sort of influence do you see Appy uh, having on Luke Brooks and having on the halves together, both Luke Brooks and Adam Dewey? Well, as I said with Appy, he's so damaging out of nine. He's always engaging markers and getting the forwards um, moving forward. And, and that's his, his role with the Tigers um, for Miney. And then um, if he does that to the ability that we know he can, that naturally takes pressure off off Brooks and Dewey, who aren't really game-managing um, halves. They're more running halves who look to, to take the game on and uh, take those opportunities. Um, so I think it will take pressure off them, um, and he'll be able to manage the game from the middle of the park and, and get the um, forwards on the up, which has been the Tigers' problem the last couple of years. If, um Although you look at the halves, you look at the strike um, players in the side, um, and a lot of question marks go to them immediately. For me, if you look at the recruitment, the club knows where they need to improve. Isaiah Papali'i, John Bateman, Api Korosau, David Klemmer, um, they're all big-name forwards, and that's where they've looked to improve the squad to allow the players that they've got in the halves to play the game style that they want and I think they've identified where they need to improve. It's where I've been saying for years with my Tigers, we need a forward pack to allow Brooks to play off the front foot. Now he's got it, and that's his test. You know, pr- producing it um, when he has the platform, um, which he so desperately needed for so many years. Yeah, totally. I agree, and I can't wait to see what sort of impact Appy has on Luke Brooks, how Luke Brooks goes this year, and if he does have that pressure taken off him so he can perform to his best. Because I tell you what, we saw him performing at his best, particularly when Jackson Hastings just arrived, when they, won, when they won those two games in a row. Even though they only won by one point, you could see it was a totally different outfit to other stages in the season when they weren't going so well. So, look, very excited to see the impact that Appy does have on the side. And I think Hooker was generally a spot that they were looking to sort of fill for a while. They had Little there for a little bit. They had Simkin there for a little bit. Um, but I think it's a, a position they were trying to fill for a while, and now that they have filled it, I think it's going to be very, very smooth sailing. Not 100% smooth sailing, but I think in terms of finding hookers go, uh, it's going to be pretty smooth sailing uh, with Abby Coruscant there in the nine. Um, do you think he's going to be an 80-minute hooker as well? Do you think they're going to mould him into 80 minutes, or does Simpkin come off the bench in the 14? Uh, I really rate Simpkin. I think he was he was really, really good for the rest for us last year uh, just struggled a little bit with injury um, but yeah I think I think Coruscant will will play a lot of minutes um, will he play 80 I'm not entirely sure I think they'll carry Jake um, you know Sheen's tends to like having that um, sort of extra um, option on the bench if you look at his sides historically um, I think they will carry Jake in around one um, but I, I have big raps on, on Sipkin, and I think Coruscant coming, um, he, he's not going to be here forever, um, and Simpkin's going to be the next, he's the future at nine for the Tigers, um, and, and he's got a great opportunity to learn off, off um, Coruscant and, and learn a bit of craft and um, improve his game. Yeah, totally. Well, very excited to see if Abby Coruscant, they do mould him into the 80-minute hooker or if they do implement Simkin off the bench. I think that Simkin would be a good way to go. They're not really too much contrasting hookers like you had, obviously, at Penrith when it was Mitch Kenny uh, coming off the bench for Abby Coruscant. They're very, um, both very um, flamboyant sort of players, very exciting sort of players. 
So, look, it'd be very inter- interesting to see how that dynamic goes. But, yeah, look, I think that that's – I agree with you. That's the way they're going to go with maybe Simkin playing 20 to 30 minutes, maybe just less, maybe around that 25-minute sort of mark per game. I think that will be pretty beneficial, and I think that it would really help if they are trying to mould Abby Corusau into that 80-minute hooker, just giving him more and more minutes each game, particularly in the first few rounds. Um, we touched on David Klemmer before as well. I am super excited for this one. Was it worth trading away Jackson Hastings, though? Do you think that um, you could have kept Jackson Hastings, maybe got David Klemmer for someone else, or do you think that that was pretty worth it there, um, getting a guy like David Klemmer into this side? Um, well, I heard, I've heard little rumours that um, if, if we didn't get rid of Jackson Hastings, we wouldn't have got John Bateman. Um, they played a little bit of time together over in the Super League, and from all, from a few reports, they're not the best of friends. Um, if you look at it for Clemmer um, and Hastings directly, um, obviously what Jacko did for for the Tigers in the short period of their um, period that he was there, um, he ga- he gained a lot of supporters and a lot of um, fans at the at the club who only wish him the best. Um, but if we ter- if we're looking at uh, as a club moving forward, um, they've identified where they need to improve and they're not afraid to make a big decision. I think that's the thing with the Tigers that people have sort of looked at previously and said, geez, that was a weak decision. That was that was a, a decision which didn't have um, anything behind it. Whereas this one, um, you know, decisions they've made this off-season, they've been strong um, and they've lacked leadership. Uh, so they've, they've shown leadership with a, which they've lacked in the past. Um, and that's the new phase um, that of the club. And if you can't tell, as I'm actually, I'm pretty excited about this year. I think um, Sheen comes back into the into the club. Benji, Robbie, they're they're all back. And um, I, there's there's a vibe that just um, that that's pretty pretty special because I think a lot of people are riding the Tigers off once again, but. You can't ride Sheens and Benji off when they're together, and um, they're they're gonna they're gonna back themselves. Um, and, and as fans, there's no one else we'd rather back than than Benji and Sheensy. Yeah, well, mate, I can hear it in your voice. I can see you're trying to hold back that smile. You're very excited about this one. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's a very exciting team. We'll talk about the losses now as well. Oh, before we go on to the losses, sorry. Who is your captain? We talked about leadership. Who would you be your captain going into next year? Would you take Appy? Would you take Brooksy? Would you take Dewey? Who is your captain going into next year? Jeez, that's a good question. Um, can I name six? <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's let's try and keep um, maybe one or two, I reckon. I'd probably look at um, either Dewey or Coruscant. I think one of those two um, would be the captain. Um, I think you, you could even throw... Um, often Gowie in there, but I think Dewey or, or Coruscant, they'll be the, the ones that lead us um, into the next season. Um, Dewey, um, Dundas Jr., he, he's a he's a Tigers Jr. Um, that's where he played his junior footy. Um, he plays for plays for the badge on his chest, and I think it, um, it I think it'll be Dewey. Yeah, well, he has been the captain in the past. He was obviously one of six captains last year. Um, so yeah, I think why not carry that on a guy that's been there for the past three, I think, years now. Why wouldn't you carry that on and have him as the captain going into this year and then Happy Corusia may be a second captain if you're pushing it a little bit, but let's not get to six. Let's not get to six this year. I don't think that'd be very beneficial. Um, but yeah, let's have a look at these losses. So obviously Luciano Leilua left during the year to North Queensland. Now it looks like he's in a bit of trouble over there and won't be playing much footy. Um, Luke Garner and Tyrone Peach, we talked about them and their impact for the Panthers. Uh, Kelma Twaglagi to the Manly Seagulls. I think that's sort of a big one in terms of your young forwards that you've got coming through. I think that was a pretty decent loss there. Uh, Jacob Little and Zane Musgrove to St. George. Um, again, you'll talk about the depth in the hooking role. they still got Simpkin there, but Little, I don't know if I would have personally gotten rid of him he did do very well when he did come into a hooker for the Tigers uh, and in terms of depth I thought he would have been a bit uh, played very well but obviously he can't turn down a starting uh, role at the St. George Illawarra Dragons so look that's a very interesting one there we'll sort of touch on it now Little um, what are your thoughts on him leaving the West Tigers going to St. George um, and do you think it does sort of 
damage the depth in that number nine role, or do you think they're pretty content there with just having Simkin? I think a few other development guys in that side. Um, yeah, I think for for Jacob, he, his time at the Tigers was just riddled with injuries. That he was always just down the pecking order a little bit. Um, I, I would have had if if he was still here, he would have been the third um, ranked hooker. Um, so I think it was just um, surplus to requirements. Um, he wasn't he wasn't needed. He got as you said, he got that opportunity um, at St George that he couldn't turn down. Um, so I, I think it makes sense for both parties for him to go. Um, and, and there are a few um, number nines coming through that um, have very high wraps on, on them. So um, the, the club, um, in terms of juniors, is in the best place it's ever been. Um, so they, they know um, what's coming through. And um, although little um, now seems like a little bit of a loss, I think um, in the future um, it will just be... Um, another player in a, in a rebuild that, that had to leave. I don't know uh, what you think, um, Les, but do um, you think Little will be a big loss? Or Look, I think in terms of depth, it hurts a little bit. But then again, as you said, you've got Simkin. Uh, there are guys in the lower grades doing quite well in that hooking role. I've heard a few names pop up. They, you signed a fine new brother, I think. I think it's Sione Fineu, who's a dummy half and plays in the halves as well. Um, so you have got a bit of depth there. Um, but yeah, look, it obviously does hurt. You you have heaps of depth in one position. You lose one of the guys that was was playing quite well for you guys, particularly whether it was nine or fourteen off the bench. It will hurt a little bit, but I think, as I said, as you said, sorry, it was sort of necessary. You're signing all of these big signings. You do have to sort of push a few guys to the side. And I think little look. You look at the side that you've got now. I think, sadly, it was worth it. Um, Jock Madden, I think that was massive in terms of depth in the halves. I thought when he came in, but I think I forgot who it was that was injured, but when he came into this side, I thought he was very, very impressive, Jock Madden. What are your thoughts on this loss? Um, and do you think this one hurts in terms of depth? Yeah, this one does. Um, the The fact that there's no clear, obvious backup to either half um, is a little bit of a worry um, for injury and performance because you can't you can't drop either of them because who's going to come in? Um, Jock he's not going um, leaving the club in the same circumstance that Little is to to take a a um a starting starting role. He's he's playing the same role um, with Brisbane that he is with us. He's, he's not guaranteed a start, um, so that doesn't make sense um, for for um for Jock to leave. But but as I said. Um, Sheens has, has been very adamant the whole the whole time that this next group of, of youngsters coming through the, at 15, 16, 17 and 18 are the best the club's ever seen and that's including the, the premiership core that, that saw us win a, a premiership in 05. Um, so there's that's what um, the decision is based around is that there, there is um, guys in the, the Western Suburbs Magpies and the, the Bowman Tigers systems who are um, being hallmarked already um, to to be um, the the replacement to, to Brooks and Dewey, and although there's no clear cut replacement right now, Sheens has been so adamant in the past that that this group is is ready, um, and you know that if, if one of them do go down, there's someone there who, to take the um, the job. Who is it? We don't know yet, but the club definitely know who who's gonna who's gonna fill that role. Um, with Jock going, um, Les, do you think it, it's a positive thing for for the Tigers moving forward? Um, Brooks, Dewey, no pressure, but is that a good thing? For depth, it really hurts. and I think it hurts more than little. As you said, there's not really a clear-cut guy to come in if Brooks or Dewey go down. I think Simkin has played in the lower grades in the halves before, but... He's been training um, you know, there too. Yeah. I, 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 look, it's, it's it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. It's a guy I didn't expect to leave. I thought he was pretty clear, clear on re-signing with the club and then left, obviously, to Brisbane. Look, it definitely does hurt in depth. Was it necessary? Maybe, you, as again, you look at the guys coming into this side, um, you, uh, you do have to push some guys on. But was Jock Madden the right guy to push on? I'm not too sure because... It is going to hurt that depth in the halves. It really is. And uh, until they sort of get a young guy that will be that sort of 
depth half. I'm not too confident that it was the right move to get rid of Madden. Um, unless there's a guy we don't know of that's in the lower grades, that's doing really well, that could be upgraded to a top 30 contract. Yeah, I'm really concerned because he was fantastic for uh, the Tigers when he did come in as well when there was injuries. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty decent loss. You look at all the losses in this table. I think the while obviously he wasn't a top first-grade player, he's probably one of the bigger losses in this team that, that they are losing going into this year. Um, they've obviously also lost James Taumo, Oliver Gildart, Obviously, Jackson Hastings, who we've talked about already, and one of the young guys has been released as well, William Kay. Um, yeah, but that's a long list of losses, a long list of losses. And uh, I was sort of talking about it last year. I was talking with one of the um, past coaches under Des when Manly won the comp, Lee Addison, when we were sort of doing previews last year. And he was very adamant that a lot of losses is sometimes a good thing for a club, especially when you're in that rebuild phase. You're trying to get big signings into that team. You're trying to get stars. Um, sometimes it is necessary. I will ask you a question, though. Charlie Staines has been signed, and it's reported that he could be playing fullback over Dane Laurie. Do you think that's the right move or the wrong move? I know I'm very adamant that it's the wrong move for me. I think that Laurie has shown how good of a player he is. That tackle he made on Clint Gutherson last year in his own in goal. Uh, he's a pretty impressive young guy, and they've already blooded him into that role, and now they're looking to put someone else in there. I think it's pretty unfair. Um Right move or wrong move having having stains in the fullback jersey? Um, I think that there's a conversation in that jersey is is the best thing for the club. Um, Laurie, although he's been very impressive his last two seasons, um, you would have loved for him to take a leap um, after his rookie year. I don't think he took that leap that that everyone was expecting him to do. Um, if you look at you know the leap that that someone like Reese uh, Walsh, who was in his debut class, um, took. Uh, his following season Laurie didn't quite take that leap um, so I think the fact that there's a little bit of pressure on him to, to maintain um, that that jersey is a good thing I think ultimately it'll be Staines who, who moves to the wing um, and plays on that wing in round one but the fact that there's an option for, for the club if, if Laurie goes down Stafford Tolver played fullback last year and he's not really known to be a fullback he, he's more of a centre um, or a winger, so we're sort of manufacturing a fullback out of nowhere. The fact that there's a genuine option there makes sense um, to to train them both there. There's no re- um, there's no um, definite that that one's got the jersey and one doesn't. The fact that there's two options is, is only a good thing moving forward. Um, if if Laurie goes down, then then there is that ready-made replacement there. Um, I think I, I've got Laurie um, starting round one for mine. Um, but if you look at if you if you um, see the way that that Sheens has been talking um, in the media, he's he's keeping his cards uh, cards close to his chest, um, and we'll wait to see who who wins that jersey and wins the battle. God, it is going to be very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of angry a lot of angry West Tigers fans if Laurie is moved out of that jersey because, as I said, he has been fantastic over the past few years. Um, yeah, look, very interesting to see who gets that fullback role, and I hope it's Laurie. Um, but, yeah, the fact that there is a bit of sting there between the two fullbacks is going to be very interesting going into next year. And I think it also motivates a guy like Dane Laurie, who is still quite young, to play really good football. So, um, very, very exciting. Um, I think blooding the spine, whoever they do go with, whether it is Laurie or Staines, they need to keep that until origin um, and sort of blood that spine in particularly in the halves as well. There isn't many replacements there, but they've got to keep it as Brooks and Dewey. And I think that now that there isn't many options, it's going to be much easier to keep the halves that way. Um, but yeah, keeping that spine from 1, 6, 7, 9 and 13, particularly 13 as well, Joe Offhand Gowie. I think they need to mould him into that role if he isn't moulded there already and keep him in that 13 jersey. But they really do need to keep a very, very... Um, similar spine throughout the entire of the year, entirety of the year. We saw it happen with Brisbane a few years back when they got the spoon. They changed their spine too damn much. And when you change your spine that much, you don't let your halves gel and it really, really sets you back a bit. Um, so keeping that spine, blooding that spine um, together, I think is going to be a key thing for the West Tigers here and keeping Dane Laurie at one. I think that's my personal opinion. I think many opinion of many West Tigers fans out there keeping Dane Laurie 
in that number one jersey. It could change during the year. As you said before, injuries do happen. It is in our great game that injuries do happen. We could see Staines going in there. Um, but, yeah, I think keeping Dane Laurie at one is going to be the key for me. And um, the structure that Apicorosau is going to have uh, laid on this side is going to be fantastic. Um, I've sort of pretty much covered everything there. Where do you see the West Tigers sitting on the ladder? I've got them 7th to 10th. I think that they could make the 8th. I think if they make the 8th, they'll be 7th or 8th. Um, but, you know, they could just miss out as well. And they've been known to do that in the past. Um, where do you sort of see them sitting on the ladder? Yeah, look, I definitely think we'll improve. Um, and I don't think we'll be anywhere near the bottom. Um, I've, I've gone a very optimistic 8th. I think we can finish in the 8th. Um, obviously, um, it is a little bit of a rise from where we were and um, there's probably a little bit of hope in that prediction. But um, my issue is the, squ- the squad's very top-heavy. If there are a few injuries, um, there, there could be a little bit of, um, you know, we could struggle a little bit uh, like we did last year. Um, but we're welcoming back Utsukamanu from injury, Bloor from inju- injury, Tommy Talao from injury. They're like three new signings as well. Um, so I think there's no reason as to why we can't finish in the eighth, um, in the eight, and I think we will um, and break that drought, which uh, us Tigers fans are, are desperately hoping um, is removed this season. Well, I mean, Para did break their drought and made a grand final. Can the West Tigers do the same and maybe slide their way into the eight? I think it is a three-horse race Sorry, between uh, the West Tigers, the Bulldogs, and the Raiders. I think that is going to be a very adamant sort of three-horse race that we're going to see as a theme throughout this year, particularly towards finals time, those round 20, 21, 22, etc. It is going to be a three-horse race between those guys because they've all improved drastically. The Bulldogs signings have been amazing. The West Tigers signings have been really unexpected and amazing. And then you've obviously got the Raiders who are just that mongrel team and they've got a few signings in that side as well, plus some guys that had a really positive year. You've got Fogarty and, and Whiten obviously playing full-time in the halves together. We won't talk about the Raiders now, getting a bit off track, but the West Tigers, um, very exciting going into next year. And that is part one of the season previews. Thanks for hopping on, mate, and I can't wait to talk again about the next few teams that we'll do on this podcast. Yep, yeah, it was good fun. Looking forward to um, continuing. One.